Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're heard here live on MockerRadio.com where music reminds me. Y'all already know me. I'm RC. Alongside that, the Ultimate Kiss Fan Porter is back on Damage Radio. Woo! That's right. And Matt, this guy we have as a guest tonight is no stranger to Damage. Uh, he's a former ECW star known as Chubby Dudley. Now CEO of Totally Driven Entertainment. This man does not know the word I can't. He does not know the word I quit. Anything he does, church, turns to gold. And he's always... Winning, my friend, Matt's friend, Bay Ragney. Bay, welcome to Damage Radio, brother. Hey, what's going on, my brothers? You know, I, I wish, uh, I noticed this is just audio, but I wish the video of this was up, because I miss your pretty faces. <laughs> Damaged. We, we, we miss you, man. So what's been going on, dude? How's life in Nashville treating you, brother? Oh, boy, where do I start? Like, best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, it, it's so crazy because, like, I'm burping. Let, 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 let's lay the cards on the table. We're sitting here, we're talking, we're BSing, and uh, drinking a beer, drinking a glass of wine, having some frozen pizza. Life is beautiful. Life is really beautiful. <laughs> but, seriously, um... Like, never in my life did I think I would ever leave the Philadelphia area. And doing my, my old show, Television Radio, which I did for almost eight years, I said it many, many times in interviews. When you, you know, you talk to these celebrities who end up moving to California, Hollywood, New York, uh, Nashville, and you're like, yeah, I would never have the cojones to do that. And uh, here I am. Sitting in Nashville, <laughs> and life is beautiful. Now, look, I'm going to say it. The last time I saw you was in Nashville, Nashville Rock and Pod. How can you have be down in Nashville and not have an have lost an ounce of that Philly accent, Bay? <laughs> you, can I tell you, literally, almost every day, my my fiance, uh, uh, as she's known as Coco Warbucks, and uh, her daughter. Constantly say the word water to me. I hear it every day. Water ice. I gotta drink the. I gotta drink the water. I gotta drink the water. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Matt, you've been to Nashville, man. What was your thoughts on it? I mean, look, I went to Nashville, and Bay would has been there as well for the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, which is a great podcasting expo Absolutely. that our friend Chris Sinzak pretty much created, and he's the he's the captain of that ship from uh, Decibel Geek Podcast, one of the great podcasts that's out there, and it's it's the greatest kind of just group of people that do podcasts and all kind of get together, and you know, even before we got on here, we were talking about the fact that, you know, it really is, it's your Facebook life come to life, because everybody you talk to online, <laughs> or everybody you listen to on, you know, podcasts is all there, and uh, we had a great time, and that's the funny thing, you know, that's the last time I had seen Bay was, oddly enough, yeah. in Nashville, so it's like, yeah. you know, I, I get to see everybody I know in Nashville, you know, there's people that live around here, the only time I see them is I go to Nashville once Nashville. a year. The, you know, the crazy Nashville. part is, the crazy part is that was literally 18 months ago. Right. Like, from that time I went to Nashville, uh, I I was coming back and forth for like the next, I, I've been here, yeah, I, I moved here September, that was August 8th of uh, 2019, 
I moved here six weeks later, September 21st, 2019. That's crazy. Talk a little about, about the move, man, and, and picking up and essentially starting over, man. How's that been for you? <laughs> well, let's see. So, uh, you know, every day, I, I, I mean, it's been a whole true life rearranging situation where I was in a marriage for 22 years and uh, went through a very bad, ugly divorce. And, um, yeah, you know, going through um, court situations and, and um, situations with children involved, it's it just, it was a very bad, ugly situation and um, was working a, a job just to get by and survive. And, like, the first few months I was here, I was a Lyft driver. And then I found the job, like, I worked in the car business for uh like 13 years and um found a job in the car business here and the crazy thing was what i used to do in the car business back in the philly area i made damn good freaking money for like hardly any hours and then i came here and they wanted to pay me like eight to ten dollars an hour yeah it was cr like i i literally i used to get paid on average it would work out to uh, literally almost a hundred dollars an hour <laughs> it was crazy and, and like I came here, I was like, you, you people are out of your mind. So when I finally found the job, because I had to get a job because of life situations and stuff, um, things started picking up and like I was actually got promoted in the job and things were looking up and then boom, I get, we get hit with the pandemic. And then um, that was March, almost towards the end of March of last year. And I haven't worked since, you know, it's, it's been crazy. And on top of it, um, I have an autoimmune lung disease, so talked with my doctors, and, and they were like, dude, you know what, like, if you get COVID, yeah, probably won't survive. So if you're going to work, you have to work from home. So trying to find a job working from home has been just a nightmare, and, you know, so you're learning to adjust and figure things out in life. You know, it, it's been, um, uh, how can I put it, like, it's been crazy, insane, but the best 18 months of my life. I've figured out so much about myself and life in the last 18 months. And I, <laughs> the crazy part is I became, uh, I was born and raised a Catholic. And then I got away from the whole religion thing over the years. And then I've like turned back to religion over the last 18 months. And okay. You you want to get deep? I'll get deep with these. You want to, you want to really get deep? You tell me. As I'm looking at your faces, I, I, I'll I'll get so deep with you right now. You won't. You... Preach, brother. Preach. Seriously, okay. you had you went outside and played baseball with us, so you can go deep with this that's, one. Man. That's <laughs> okay, so so uh, here, here you go. Um, last year, uh, we were going through stuff like. So when I moved here, this is I'm going to be deep and honest and, and crazy, and I'm, I'm going to let it all out because we're brothers, and I. it's hard not to curse, but I love you guys. So uh, this time last year, so when I first moved here, I, I moved in with my, my future fiancé and her daughter, and we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and my daughter, one of my daughters came with me. So there was four of us in a one-bedroom apartment for... 
five months, which was pretty insane. Okay, you had one room, a bedroom, a bathroom, a kitchen, and that was it. Four of us. We made it work. We were like, all right, we got stuff situated. I was working, so things were starting to come together. We got to get a place to live. And we were starting looking for an apartment, a bigger apartment or a house. We had to give notice where we were living to get out of the lease to, to find a place. I still have uh, my mortgage on my house back in PA, all my stuff with the financial situation, you know, credit was destroyed, divorce, blah, 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 blah. I have a $200,000 mortgage on my credit. Nobody wants to rent nothing to me because I have a mortgage and now bad credit. We were three days away from literally being homeless. I had no idea what I was going to do. I, I can't tell you. I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know if this is we're, we're going to end up breaking up. I'm coming back to PA. I, I had no idea. I literally, this is the day. I, by accident, I filmed it last night on my phone. And I kept it on my phone to remind me that you don't have to go there. I literally, while sitting on the toilet bowl, one year ago today, I wrote a suicide note. It got to that point where I was ready to, if that's where my life was going, I was ready to end. Wow. And, and I have, I have, I have it saved in my phone to remind me, like you don't have to go there. So, and I came, I literally came across it last night, and I was like, oh my god, that was literally one year ago tomorrow. So, as we're taping this now, it was one year ago, I was sitting on the toilet bowl as I was getting ready to go to work, and I was in, I remember typing it out, literally in tears hysterically, writing out, like, to my daughters, a uh, couple family members, close friends, my fiance, like, it, Life, uh, life can really uh, do a number on me. So, you know, make sure All right, when you, we make uh, the, when we make the movie of that though, we're not going to have you in the bathroom. Okay, we're going to have a better scene. You know, you're not going to be in the bathroom when when then. Who's going to play you in the movie? <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. Then we're out of toilet paper. Then it's definitely not going to be in the bathroom. Different change of venue. That's pretty heavy. Now, I mean, really, when you think about that, you think about at a point that low in your life, but then now uh, you mentioned that you've turned back maybe to a little bit more religion. Are they tied together, and how did you get through that? Yeah, huge. I, I literally, like, started praying every day, numerous times a day. And I have... I have a laundry list. It, it's funny. Like I, re I recited my list of uh, a hand. It's not even a handful. It's a dozen saints um, and a dozen who I call angels. Um, my parents and my sister and multiple family members and very close friends who passed away. And I pray to them every morning when I wake up as I'm laying in bed. I pray to them and I thank them for another day. 
and thank them for the gifts I was given the day before and, and overnight and, and each day and to get me through that day today. And, you know, there's probably numerous times throughout the day, like as I'm driving now, I'm praying and, you know, there's been, I, I you know, my life has really been open. Like I went from having, you know, um, in, in Pennsylvania, like, my, my life, you know, it wasn't the best. I had a, you know, situation that I was dealing with in my marriage, etc. But financially, my life was pretty damn good. And it was okay. And I, and I had, a, you know, some luxuries and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I've had to really change things and, and kick and scratch and claw. And I wouldn't change a freaking thing because I'm loving it. Uh, I have that hunger back in life. And, and I'm creating things and creating um, businesses that I'm working on and uh, podcast again and just being able to uh, create light every day with a smile on my face and happiness and love in my heart. It's a beautiful thing. So describe that. I mean, you figure you're coming out of the darkest point and you manage to build yourself back up. And which is inspiring. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially in this last year, so many people have taken a hit and have had their life changed so much. How'd you do it? What were what were what were the sparks? Take a sip of that beer. That could be the first one. Yep. Oh, I know. It's true. <laughs> so th th there was many. Trust me. Um, you, you know, first off, just realizing re realizing how important life is. And realizing how truly blessed I am, um, you know, I've lived through a lot. I've lived through many hardships in life and craziness. Um, you know, people don't know my father died when I was four. My mother died when I was 18. Um, at a week before my 17th birthday, we bought a pizza shop that was mine. That was my mother was dying from cancer, and she gave me a pizza shop. To uh, she thought that was going to be my ticket in life. Uh, my mother dies, and I lose the pizza shop. In turn, to losing the pizza shop, I lost the house that both my parents lived in and paid for and paid off. I lost everything, and that has weighed so heavy on my mind for so many years. Um, and, and, and started from complete zero scratch, zero nada at 19 years old and rebuilt my life. And at 49 years old, moving to Nashville, starting again from zero scratch, nada, having to completely rebuild my life. And every day is a rebuild. But every day now, being able to open my eyes, wake up, and saying to my angels, Hey, I'm here for another day. I can have another glass of wine. I can have another piece of frozen pizza. I can do whatever. I can freaking tackle the world. And I'm given that chance. And it just it makes it all worthwhile. Let's talk a little about self-care, Bay. Besides the frozen pizza, the totally driven entertainment, what self-care do you do you strive on? Because I know for <laughs> myself, I'm doing um, a competition in February where I'm knocking out 2,800 push-ups the month of February. So I'm doing a hundred a day. That gets my mind off of distractions and gets my mind on the right track. 
of keep moving forward. So what are you what are you up to? What are you doing besides you know? So okay, so again, from the last time I talked to you guys, I, I've lost over hundred pounds. Um, there was a complete change in diet and, and the way I eat and do stuff. Frozen pizza tonight because I was sitting here and I've been working on business stuff and, and other stuff that I'm working on, and it was like an hour before we were about to go live, and I'm like, oh crap, I gotta get some food. And I just <laughs> I, I ran over to the supermarket real quick, got a frozen pizza and some a beer and a cheap three dollar bottle of wine, and uh, here we are. But um, for the most part, like I I've really opened and embraced uh, a different lifestyle of eating for sure where you know frozen pizza times 10 would be like my daily thing or cheesesteaks or hoagies or you know like I, I would sit and eat a cheese it wouldn't be a cheesesteak it was cheesesteaks I would eat two or a cheesesteak and a hoagie so you Chubby Dudley like, would hate you right now I, yeah now now I'm more like uh, like slinky Dudley I, I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, like it, it's changed, but for the better. My, my God, like when I look back at the pictures of myself from the last twenty-something years, thirty years, it, it's like very sad and depressing because I see a person who honestly wasn't there. He was going through a lot of um, issues and sadness in his life, and was masking it with food and and other things and you know I, I came here and turned my life around and now like <clears throat> like I literally like I'll eat a plate of food and you, you know when you, you have a plate of food and there's like that little center base yeah well the old bay would like try to maximize the center base and the outer rim now they just uses that little center base, <laughs> like like a normal human being supposed to, and it's it's amazing. And I learned to like eat like a human being and and, and not a, a fat bastard. Can we say that? Can you break me? A whole, a whole relearning of life for sure, in, in such a beautiful, positive way. <laughs> so, had the nerves? Was how? What kind of nerves did you have knowing that you had to pick up your brand that you made here of Totally Driven Entertainment, go to a brand new place, and continue to do that? Did you have any nerves? Did you have any reservations about that? Or you, you know what? Like, as a matter of fact, Rock and Pod was the last show I did. Because when I came back to uh, PA after that, um, you know, I, I, at that point, like, I knew what I was doing, and I had to break the news to my ex-wife and my children, like, that I was moving to Nashville. And uh, I didn't do another show at that point for, it was almost, no, it was probably, probably about nine months. I thing on my mind was doing shows or doing totally driven or any of the stuff like I, I just didn't care because I had so many other important things in life to even think or worry about and um, you know when I restarted doing shows last year uh, once the, once the pandemic hit I was like great this is a 
freaking blessing. I can do shows again. Um, so I started doing shows and um, like even that, like it all changed because the big thing at that point now, and which I'm doing now, is Facebook Live. And, and like I used to do a live show every Thursday night, Toes and Radio. Every Thursday, me and my co-host Nick, and we'd be live and we would do a three, sometimes four hour live show. And we would have multiple guests and, and talk every week. And I couldn't do that anymore. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to do Facebook Live. And then I was like, all right, well, we're going to do this show and that show and this show. And it turned into like, I'm now doing four different shows. And it got to be a little much doing four different shows. And even by time, like, the holidays rolled around late last year because of you know, financial situations and just trying to hustle and make money to get through the holidays. I was like, I put the shows on the back burner again and over the holidays, like I kept thinking in my head, like, you know what, like I gotta condense these shows. It's, it's too much. And so I, I was like, you know what, the whole Totally Gym, it's not Totally Gym Radio no more. Like Totally Gym Radio was a literal live show on Thursday nights. And it was radio. We, we did, I mean, it was a podcast. It was, in my mind and my eyes and my heart it was radio because we were live i'm not doing live radio anymore i'm doing facebook live now i'm like so let's take that out of it and the whole totally driven thing it's still like the basis and the premise and it was always something where we wanted to be as a matter of fact the whole name of totally driven came from completely damaged because you know people don't know you know me and cameron were working together back in the early days and we had a little falling out at one point and I kept saying to myself like I gotta take completely damage and flip it and I was like totally driven and then I was like nah I'm gonna think of something else and like three weeks went by all I kept thinking was totally driven totally driven totally driven and that's how totally driven happened it was the flip of completely damaged so Can you pay <laughs> damage <laughs> damage damage driven <laughs> so you know I, I was like you know what like totally driven uh as a whole totally driven entertainment is technically still alive but it's now i just changed it. it's now the bay ragney show i do all my interviews whether if it's music hard rock metal show interviews or TV or movies or just positive or business or whoever, it's the Bay Ragney Show. And we started that a couple weeks ago. And I'm involved in this other thing, which we started once I got here to Nashville called the Nashville Restaurant Review, where me and uh, Coco Warbucks, my better half, go out and we review food places and restaurants and stuff like that. And now I'm interviewing like food owners and chefs and managers in the Nashville scene. Did you get so I got two? You get the hookup still? I I have not gotten free food yet. I got, I've gotten some uh, some some things, some little gifts here and there. We'll say that. But um, and the big part of Totally Driven Radio, which was truly the heart and soul of the show that I enjoy doing every week, was me and my co-host Nick, who uh, when he was involved in the wrestling business back in Philly, he went by Sick Nick, and. We would just sit and talk every week about our life. We would talk about life, family, what's going on, 
and our feelings and, and whatever it was. So he said, dude, let, you know, let's take that and let's just uh, let's make it the basic show. So it's Bay and Sick at a sick neck. It comes the basic show, and we just talk about the basic things in life. You know, see, that's awesome, but the question everybody's going to want to know, you're doing the food reviews, what's the best food you had in Nashville? In Philadelphia. No, but I mean, like, you figure, like, right away, everybody, I, when I think of Nashville, I think of hot chicken. So have you been having the hot chicken, or what's, like, what's your okay, favorite so thing? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me start this off with just say, honest to God truth, like, people in Nashville don't know food. If they ate food back in Philadelphia or, or where Coco's from, uh, New York, their minds would just blow off the top of their head because they don't realize how good food should be. Like, what, what, there's, there's truly been not a place down here, and I, in my early reviews, I would say this, and I feel, feel bad, but there really hasn't been like a total like wow factor. Oh, my God. But I will say there's some places that I've very much been intrigued by. But there's a guy down here. He's, he's actually a kid. He's in his mid-20s. Uh, he's a college student who started at uh, – and he's from Philly. And he started – it's a Philly thing, cheesesteaks. It might be the best cheesesteak I ever had in my life. It, honest to God. Wait a minute. A national wow. cheesesteak is better than a Philly cheesesteak bay. You're going to get hit by lightning. No, I'm not, because if anybody from Philly has one of these cheesesteaks, trust me, he gets Amoroso rolls shipped in from Philly. Oh, that's, that's the wild card right there. That's the wild yeah, card. we got to go if we do that. And, <laughs> and these cheesesteaks, you know, normally when you go to a place, you'll get, like, you'll get Wiz. You'll get American cheese or you get provolone. He triple layers it. All three. Whoa. He's bringing the Philly down to Nashville. It is mind-blowing amazing. Like, we went there, and, like, I, it was so big. It, it, was, it was like eating a submarine of meat, and <laughs> meat and cheese. And it was just like an ooey, greasy, gooey goodness of Philadelphia in Music City. All right, is it in the city or is it in the suburbs? Suburbs. So how close is it going to be to Rock and Pod when we get down there, find you, and we have to go get these? You know, that's a good question. I don't even know where exactly <laughs> is Rock and Pod this time. So uh, I'll, I can tell you it's at the Nashville uh, Hilton Airport or Airport Hilton. Oh, okay. So that is, for me, from my house, is like five minutes. And from there, it's probably about 15, maybe 20. So it's close enough that we're definitely hitting that this year. I don't care if it's an hour. It's worth it. <laughs> Woo! That sounds fantastic. Right. So, Bay, how would you describe your interview style? Um, okay. Prime example. So, Cameron sends me a list of questions. And he says, here's the questions. I'm like, I'm not even looking at them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to know them. I, I don't do that style. I've, I've had... You know, I've done 600 plus interviews. If a person is going to ask me for the questions, they're not getting them. If you want them, I'm not going to deliver them, and you're not going to do the interview. I want from the heart, open, honest, and that's how I do it. And that's 
You know, uh, prime example. I did two interviews the last two nights. Monday night, I did Steve Riley, the old drummer from uh, Wasp, and now he has his own version of L.A. Guns. L.A. Guns. He came on, like, and he was actually early. Like, we were doing this whole setup, and he came on, he was on 10 minutes early, and I was, like, getting stuff ready, and I'm like, dude, can I run to the bathroom real quick? Can I pour beer? Can I get situated? He's like, yeah, do your thing. So he let me, let me do that. And before we went live, I said, look, I want to go deep with you. I want to ask you the nitty gritty. I want to know about this, this, this is, are you ready? He's like, let's do it, brother. We went in almost an hour and a half and he answered every question I had honestly. And I know it was honest. Like the second time I interviewed him and like, it's funny because somebody asked me like, what did you think of Steve Riley? And I said, for the last 30 years, I hated the guy and had no feeling or nothing about him, but he was just blah. I interviewed him last year, thought he was amazing, sincere, and loved the guy. And after my interview the other night, love him even more. Last night, I interviewed James Durbin, who was on American Idol 10 years ago. Uh, he was the singer of Quiet Riot for the last three years, and now he's got a new solo album coming out, and he's, he left Quiet Riot. And I was try- I wanted to talk quite right. I want. Sorry, it's part of your career now. It's part of your life, and let's talk this. Let's let's get some nitty gritty. Let's get some honesty. Let's get some background. I asked. I got to my second question. He said, "Look, everybody knows the Quiet Riot stuff. The real thing we were here to talk about is my new solo album." And I was like, "Ah, here we go. Yeah, it lost the whole heart and soul." The whole interview. You know, it's funny, I was going to say, is I think in this last almost year of everybody doing, I mean, I'm on Zoom calls and team calls and every like half the day is is kind of like exactly like this. I think it's amazing in a way. I think the walls are down on a lot of people because everybody's sitting at their house. They want to reach out and talk to somebody. And if it happens to be somebody who was famous or whose name we all know, they're in the same damn boat. They're sitting at home like everybody else who's just waiting yeah. for things to come back. I, I've seen some really cool interviews happening with people where you go, you can tell that they're really real and honest because yeah. they just want to talk. You know, yeah. everybody's like losing their marbles, myself included. And, you know, here we are. We can reach out and talk to people. And I think uh, that's kind of the one of the amazing almost byproducts of this whole kind of shutdown and, and the fact that, you know, especially artists, I feel like artists in your soul, you want to create and you want to share. It's yeah. why you do stuff. You know, you make you make a product and then it's like, I always feel like it's like you put your message in a bottle and you hope somebody finds it in the river. You know, it's like, or I'm, you know, you're, you're throwing paint on the wall. You hope somebody looks at it. So in a way, I think, you know, I, I think that sometimes you're getting more real with people because they're talking to you in this fashion, which has become almost, I hate to even say it, but it's the normal way people are communicating, which which blows my mind. Like which I'm <laughs> I'm like I'm really still like one of these people that I really kind of can't stand. You know, uh, team meetings and Zoom <laughs> meetings, and you know, it really it kind of makes you a little crazy. But uh, but but you know, I think it has kind of opened people up. I mean, you know, even some people that you wouldn't expect. But I'll tell you what, I, I did an interview. Um, I think it was last summer, early fall with this guy, Michael Vampire, who 
He's a singer of this band called Dead Girls Academy. Very Marilyn Manson-like. He had the full makeup on, just like Marilyn Manson. And I've interviewed him before. Great freaking guy. Love this guy. Amazing interview. And we were sitting there, and we were just like, you you know, when you're doing an interview, you can feel it. You can feel it going. You can feel it. And he's sitting there, and he's drinking, and I'm drinking. And then I'm like, what are you drinking? And then he's like, he's drinking whiskey. And I'm drinking wine or whatever. And you can just feel like it's going. And we're both drinking and we're both getting better. And we had the most deep interview about the music business. And it was great because this dude, he was very open and honest about how things work in the music business. And his feelings on stuff. And then how, you know, people make money here. And how he's doing it. And how that's doing it. And this and that. And it was so eye-opening. And it was it was definitely my favorite interview of last year because when you get one of those and you're just it was like two old friends like the three of us sitting here just talking about life but it was like life in the music business and he was just exposing the whole business and and how it works and the good the bad the ugly and and but the most of all it was the honesty of it. Yeah, I think that's what you're kind of getting. And especially though, I got to say, I give a shout out. If he put his makeup and everything on to do an interview over the over the internet, that's that's quality right there. <laughs> I'm wearing my Bay Ragney costume right now. If anybody's watching, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it never you, goes out of style. <laughs> no. No. Now, do you go after people that you generally have an interest about, or do you just kind of whoever is available and trending? Do you go after? Um both uh it's always probably been more definitely people i've had a definite interest in um you know for for like one one of my biggest things beside kiss has uh my all-time favorite guitar player is randy roots like just i i went through a major um point at one time where i was trying to view interview everybody in randy's life and, and I talked to, so I talked to his brother, had an amazing interview. His, his brother was playing piano with, for me over the interview. Um, talked to many people who either played with Randy, friends with Randy, um, saw Randy back in the club days with Carter Riot. And actually, the one last piece of all that was Randy's sister, Kathy, who... I'm friends with on Instagram and we'll message from time to time. And I was talking to her about doing the interview and she was kind of on the fence with it. And honestly, like just by seeing her post and, and talking with her, like I pulled back and I, I realized it's still, you know, 30. Oh my God. It's going to be next year. It'll be 40 years. It's almost 40 years since he passed 40 years later it's still very tough for her to talk about. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to put her through that. I, I don't want to do that. I, I could just, I could still feel the pain in her post, you know, no, no matter what, you know, as much as I love Randy Rhodes or the next person, we're just still, we're still fans of that person. This is her brother. So it's a totally different thing. You know, Kelly has been more out in the public eye then Kathy and you know Kelly runs the the family music school for all these years and Kelly was a singer in bands and stuff like that but Kathy was always just 
Kathy and not the musician or not a focal point. She was just a uh, a woman living her life who lost her, sadly lost her brother, and she, uh, you know, she's a, a a wife and now a grandmother. And you look at her and you see what Randy would look like, you know, in his sixties now. But yeah, it's still it's very it's still very it's sad. It's very painful. Yeah, you know, as any it would be for any of us. You know, I've lost my my sister six years ago, and you know, when you look back at that stuff, and it's sometimes it's it's stuff you don't recover from. I think that's one of the most interesting things when you think about. Obviously, to anybody who ever liked a band with a guitar, losing Eddie Van Halen. You know, we I we know only Eddie via the music, and in a lot of yeah. way, I always say that the Eddie that I knew will never die because I'll always have those records. But I'll tell you the way Wolfie has responded by writing the music and doing such eloquent interviews about his father. Wolfgang Van Halen has really impressed me. You know, and and yeah. you're hearing this music come out where he is playing and singing every note on the new album and you go this kid has i call him a kid i mean you know because you think of him as a kid but has all the talent of his dad yeah but yet lost his dad and it's to him that's his father it's not eddie van halen it's his pop and to me you know we'll we'll always have him but i'll tell you what like you know that that's the the first song he put out distance um unreal I, every time I, I hear, I can't even listen to it because I break down and start crying. I, it, it's just, it, it hits me. It was like when he put that song out, like feeling the pain he was going through and, and thinking of, you know, my parents I lost, my sister I lost. And at the same time, um, my daughter had moved out. So it was like the distance and just putting it all together. It, man, that is such an amazing, beautiful song. And I feel bad for that kid because, and he, Matt, he is a kid. Let's face it, he's a he's always gonna be a kid to us. But he he um he's sadly he'll always, no matter what he does, he'll always be in the shadow of his father and uncle. But he is a true tremendous talent, and he needs to get that credit. Uh, you know, from that song, and I know he just released another single. I think it was yesterday, the day before, and the album's getting ready to come out. And yeah, you know, amazing. He'll carve his own path. I mean, he's obviously yeah. talented. And the good thing, I think the thing that makes me very kind of happy for him, he seems to have his head on straight, considering, Art. you know, that, you know, obviously the kind of lifestyle that you probably have when your dad is Eddie Van Halen, who is like the most famous guitar player, but he seems really grounded. He seems like, and I mean, I'm going off on a whole tangent, but I think it's just, it's amazing the way, you know, in a pandemic and the way you've been able to almost see different sides of people via yeah. social media. Not all of it's obviously good, but in that case, it's a good story. Absolutely. Now, Bay, you like to go with the whole real side of an interview and you kind of feed off of them. Are you ever a little weary about some of the questions if they're going to like snap or maybe not go 180 on you on some of the things when you go too deep? And, and, and how, how do you respond to that? And has, has that happened? <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. See, my, my, the way I my, the way I do my interviews is um, very Howard Stern like, where I I don't get into like all the the wacky sexual craziness, but. <clears throat> As soon as I get in with somebody, 
an opening line that's going to grab them. Like lay the groundwork and, and, and set the, the path for the interview. And uh, to, to try to make that connection. And then I'll take it from there. Like, for instance, like I said with the, with the James Durbin interview last night, you know, I tried to lay the groundwork and he wasn't biting. So I, I knew the way it was going to go. Steve Riley, this guy's letting me go take a pee and everything else before the interview. I knew the way it was going to go. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, with, with you, you can tell within the first 30 seconds how the interview is going to go. And, you know, I'll, I'll lay out my groundwork of questions just like you do. And, you know, I'll have it sitting here and, you know, I'll try, I, I try to have my path laid out and, and try to do a structure, but sometimes you got to jump around and fill them out. And then, you know, wherever they're, information they're feeding you, you got to think of your comebacks and stuff like that, so, but, yes, sometimes there's, there's questions that I get scared to ask, and I wish there was, like, video of me asking, like, stuff or doing interviews, like, you know, through the years before the whole Zoom, Skype, and, and everything, because I'd be sitting there going, like, like <laughs> asking, like, getting these answers, and, and I'd be like, oh my god, like, I, I'm figuring myself, that's the headline of the press release, or that's going to be what you see in old Blabbermouth or this site, or whatever. You know, like you, you would just know. That would be Matt and I when we would do Damage Video Live, whether it be like uh, uh, Jimmy Hart letting Matt use his his, uh, his his mouth his mouth thing, and uh, Matt, you know, marking out, or or Billy Gunn putting his fist in my head, and me being scared, you know what, not knowing if he's going to hit me or not. Or Bart Gunn, actually. Bart Gunn. Put, and I, Bart Gunn's Bart, hand Bart. looks like the size of a trash can lid. And, he, and it looked like he was going <laughs> to wallop you. Right? Or like uh, Ron Simmons saying, damn, you know, live on, on Matt's camera. Or like, you know, like Snooka, Don Morocco, cutting, a ca- cutting that promo into the camera. Matt, you know all about that, man. Well, obviously, Babe, having been in wrestling, you know what it's like when you would come across some of these legends who you watched as a kid. And that was always the most fun thing when we would have these wrestlers who, like, especially like a Snooka or somebody that I watched when we were little, and now they're cutting a promo into my camera. That was always the biggest thrill, you know. And it's funny because over the years, you know, I think you get, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get a little bit jaded on some of these guys who think that they're huge stars when they've wrestled one match at the VFW and they can't cut a promo to save their life. But then you get a legend like a Jimmy Snuka who's now, listen, bro, when the super flag comes alive and he's pointing right in your camera. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because there's, I think that's the fun part about working, like kind of like what I said with creative people. You know, these wrestlers, there's some, some of them are the best actors you'll ever meet because they have to do it live and there's no retake, you know, and they're in front of 20,000 people or whatever. You got to make it always work. So here I come up a jabroni with a little camera the ones that can turn it on and do it as if they're talking to a big group or like somebody important, not just me. That was always impressive. And I always appreciate that. And it's funny. Sometimes you get somebody who's coming on and maybe, uh, you know, they've had, you know, a glimpse of success, but they don't want to really go with your questioning. And, uh, you know, we won't name any names that you just mentioned earlier, but you know what? Hey, look, sometimes they're not always winners. <laughs> you, you, you know what? You're absolutely right. And, you know, even for me, when, when, you know, back in the days of being a worker and being in a locker room, 
it was the same thing for you know being in my 20s uh you know in the early days of ecw and eastern championship wrestling or even uh ecw extreme championship wrestling when you're sitting across the locker room like with your smokers your maracas you know brian pillman cactus jack you know the, the name is the the, the the lineup of names is just endless it, but it's all these people who you were watching on tv every saturday morning saturday night or whenever it was throughout the week on espn or different crazy shows and they help shape or shift your either love for the business or inspiration to get into business and now you're like sitting across the locker room and you're it's even you know it's just crazy how did i get here like you know growing up uh in the 80s and then shared many locker rooms with captain lou Albano. i'm thinking to myself here's the guy with the rubber bands that were on his face and the belly hanging out who i hoped i didn't look like which i ended up looking like you know like (laughs) but he was the nicest guy in the world i even called Ivan Kolov, the Russian sickle, Ivan Kolov, and here he was like, you thought he was this villain, this monster, larger than life, and he was like five foot nothing, beautiful human being, who was at the end of his life signing autographs in Walmart, North Carolina, (laughs) you know, like. Oh, you're muted out, you're muted out. We had a uh, primetime Amy Lee, uh, Johnny Valiant. We had a whole bunch of people got I signed a mania, you and I, a whole bunch of list of characters. Yeah. And like Johnny was just talking, just He's to talk crazy. on the mic. He, he just wanted the crazy. mic, you know. That's the best part. Yeah. You never know He's what's going to happen in this wrestling business. That's right. Amy a- Amy Lee is such a good person too. Like I haven't talked to her in a while. I talked to her. I used I talked to her a lot once I first moved to Nashville. We were in touch a lot. I haven't really talked to her much, but uh, she's such a great person. Crazy great. Yeah, I got I got a close view of her. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so for you, Bay, um, in in all your years of wrestling, can you give us like top five favorite memories of whether it's you or you were there and you saw something that always will stick it stick in your mind? Ooh. Um... Probably my number, let's see, number one memory was um, uh, my favorite match with the Dudleys where I, I truly felt the Dudleys started to come into their own. And it was um, it was Bubba and Big Dick with me and Sign Guy against Devon and Axel Rock. And that was the match where we got to um, truly go around the ECW arena and we got to be part of extreme we weren't just like you know the sideshow and bubba the stuttering goofiness and the craziness we got to like show that we were something a force to to be reckoned with which they proved over time um the the match i did in easter championship for us when i was part of the hell rider uh even though it was a squash match uh, but it was um you know me and my old partner uh, hd rider against Snook and Morocco. Here was two guys who had probably one of the biggest feuds in pro wrestling. And, and I got to work a match with them 
as they were tag partners. You know, so that that was that was definitely cool. Um, there was uh, the, the moment in ECW locker room with when Brian Pillman came in for a few shows, and Brian Pillman and New Jack got a fist fight in the in the, in the stage ECW arena, and Pillman uh, <clears throat> he had metal rods in his leg, his one leg, and he was. It, they had like you know he in a wheelchair and he was like toe to toe ready to go complete pull apart this crazy um Juventud Guerrero and uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. There are two out of three falls at the ECW Arena. I remember watching that backstage. There was a, they would always have a monitor set up in, in, in the locker room. I just remember watching that backstage, and I don't think my mouth has still come up off of the floor. And everybody in the locker room felt the same way. They were just blown away by what those two guys did. It, it truly changed the program that magnitude everything. And um, probably number five, just being in the wrestling business. Like, it was something, um, you know, I, I wanted to be the rock star, guitar player, this and that through the 80s and being the fat guy that I am, you know, ended up choosing a, a life of pro wrestling at that time and making this switch and jump um, and being able to do it. And, you know, not that I was, you know, I, I got very lucky and got to be part of things that spiraled and, and grew and blew up and I'm completely thankful for. It, and this is being God's honest truth. If it wasn't for Bubba and Devon, nobody would care about me. I mean, I mean you guys would care about me. Because, you know, when you're the, the connection. But, you know, I have, which I got to do, thanks for reminding me. Uh, you know, I had people send me, thanks to the official wrestling museum, they sent me books and pictures and 8x10s. I have a pile of stuff up there I got to autograph and send back. And, you know, people want to talk to me and ask me questions or do shows like this. I did a show a couple of weeks ago. Um, I did a couple of shows a couple of weeks ago. I did one on 2300 uh, podcast, it's called. And it was pretty cool because uh, referee Mike Keener, his younger brother, is the co-host. And he was there all through my Liberty stuff and ECW stuff. And he, he went through a roll call of 35 names and asked my opinion on each one. So it it was literally over a two-hour podcast, so it was it was pretty interesting. And then I was also contacted by a podcast in Australia, and we did one of these, and it was a complete video. And the dude said to me, "Like, can you give me some questions?" And I said, "No, if you're going to interview me, you pick up the questions, do your research, do your homework, and you you come back to me." And you know, a couple of days beforehand, he said, "I just want to let you know this is going to be the best interview you're going to ever do." I said, all right, you do that. 
And I'll tell you what, he brought it. He, he, we had an amazing conversation and it was like Australia. It was like one o'clock in the morning for him. And it was like nine o'clock here for me. And it was great because he was drinking beer, drinking wine, rolling a joint and doing the interview. But he, he, we had the most amazing conversation. Most of, he asked some very original questions and we had a blast and it was a two hour interview and I can't wait to air in March. I can't wait for that. Well, being so used to being the interviewer, now being the interviewee, is that is that weird for you, or is it, do you just uh, kind of just go it. with it? Really, I love it. I love it. I, I love either part of the fence. Like, I'm ready to go either way. I, I like this part of the fence because I don't have to prepare questions and I can answer from the heart. And be honest. Yeah. Now, do you ever sit there and the guy like just stops asking you questions and you, you still have like an hour left and you're just like, okay, where are we going to go with this? Where you have to actually talk and they can make up stuff? Yeah, I, I, had, I had one guy uh, last summer do an interview with me and he, he literally, like, after two questions said to me, so what questions do you want me to ask you? Yeah, exactly. If people can see Cameron's face right now. And you just said, damaged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was just like, uh, nothing. You're the interviewer. You have to ask me the questions. Right. So the interview didn't waste, last that much longer after that because. Yeah. I got to admit, um, my favorite interview with you, Bay, is uh, TWA. I interviewed you had your long, long hair. All out, you know, uh, it was when you were in the Dead Gerber Babies and you were versed in uh, yeah. Crashing Plant uh, trying to win that contest. And you were like, your brother is in first place in Crashing Plant in that contest and we're going to come back and win it. And I was like, mind blown. Is this, is this nuts how small of a world it is. That, that was funny because that whole, remember that whole contest, Matt? Like, of course. The Dead Gerber Babies were like in first place and then Crashing Plant and Dead Gerber Babies and Crashing Plant. And then Clash of Plaid just blew up and blew us away. And we were like, God knows where, probably still like in the sewer somewhere. <laughs> That's a whole other interview. That was back right kind of even before like like Facebook and MySpace and all that. We were, yeah. I literally printed out the link and was walking around to my neighbors with a link on a piece of paper to go vote. And that, of course, ended up being a total joke anyway. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'll bet you if the damage fans out there, they already know you, but if they want to follow your stuff, man, where do they go? Uh, sorry, to numerous places. So you can you can just hit me up on Facebook, Bay Ragney. Uh, you can go to Totally Driven Entertainment. So my interviews are broadcasted live. Uh, you can go to uh, which is me and my uh, my other half, Coco Warbucks. We do uh, we do some comedy skits, we do food reviews, we do all types of crazy videos, funny videos, and you can see all of our stuff for our business and stuff like that that we're running. So you can look for Coco Warp, uh, Coco Bay on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, Tony German Entertainment Facebook and Instagram. Or if, or if you're a foodie and you're coming to Nashville, join my group on Facebook, the Nashville Restaurant. You can't beat that. Matt, I want to thank you, Matt, for coming out, you know, and being here live on Damage Radio. Always, hey, always look, great to see you. Bay was coming. I had to join in the fun, of course. Great to see you, Bay. Great to see you, RC. I haven't seen you so long, even though we, t we do talk pretty regularly. Definitely, man. We're all just floating around, just trying to keep our head above the water. Floating around. Dude, I, 
I'll tell you what. I got when he told me you were coming on, man. I got so happy, and it's great to look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> weight. I keep finding weight. So. <laughs> on that note, damaged. Damaged. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for your time, man. We can't wait to have you back on. And uh, remember, fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MonkerRadio.com, where music and minds meet. <laughs> <laughs>